put to death that nefesh that's wrong about literally everything. I'm ready to cut loose myself. <laughs> the Christian experience has to be sacrificed. Mm -hmm. You have to have that soldier attitude. I don't care what they think. I'm here to obey the apostolic commandment. I want to fulfill God's will for my life. Which is the favor that Jesus had from his father by being perfect. You're tuned into RLM TV. Thanks for joining us today. Amen. Coming to you live here in Florida from the seven sevens, the seventh level of the seven heavens, the ten weeks. And it's a wonderful thing. Seven is the number of perfection, the number of the spirits of God, the number of colors in the rainbow, and so much more. A beautiful and mysterious number seven. And who is Jesus Christ in relation to your faith? He's the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. Yeah, seven's the number of spiritual perfection. So he walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. In his right hand, he holds the seven stars. So what is the difference between this oil, the lampstands, and the seven stars? Two different types of light. He's the master of natural light and the glory light of the presence of the Holy Spirit. He is Lord of all. And the most exciting thing, he wants to grow himself in your hearts as you progressively learn how to receive and believe his word from heaven. Amen. Amen. It's wonderful. <laughs> mm. It's a beautiful trance today. <laughs> Just enjoying the presence of the Lord. And it's amazing how when you wait on the Lord and you go deeper and each moment of that waiting brings you deeper within, you can feel that realm of infinite peace as you go closer and closer. When you go deeper within, just waiting and tasting of the fruit of his life within you that's already been established. It's beyond knowing, but there's a promise that someday we'll come to understand. And what is understanding? It's a higher glory. What is Shekinah? Shekinah below, we know the Shekinah of, you know, the moon earthen vessel standing on the moon clothed in the sun and that's Shekinah below unity with the Holy Ghost and then there is Shekinah above which is Bina and that is where we begin to understand the things of God the ways of God in that world as we rise and so when the book the books of Moses talk about Jubilee. When the Word of God talks about Jubilee 50 and the seven sevens, why is it seven sevens, 49 plus one dates? The seven sevens plus one, and that is Jubilee. What does that mean? Seven sevens is a location on sapphire stones. It's a place where you'll rise and this is a good point. This is something that the Holy Spirit, your heavenly mother, your teacher, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Why? It is written that he will lead us into all truth. So if we follow him into all truth, you will be walking in the realms of glory because the truth is Jesus Christ and he is the glory. <laughs> It's his glory. Glory emanates from him, and he is glory. He is goodness. He is love. The glory of his love, it's himself. Mm -hmm. To know him, to dwell in him, to walk in him. So if you follow the Holy Spirit who promises to lead us into all truth, you will be walking in the realms of glory. That's Jacob's ladder. 
That's Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through him. There's one way. And so he is the way back to the Father. And in the proximity to his brightness, and proximity to him through relationship, through circumcision, we find a greater peace and a greater knowing, a greater understanding. Now with our understanding, the New Testament teaches us that we should pay all the more close attention to the things we've already learned. Why? Because those things we've already learned, when we revisit them, we show that we cherish them as treasures. Right? When a man has a treasure, what does he do? He doesn't just lock it away and forget about it. He opens the door and he beholds it. He looks at it, he gazes at it. His closest friends that he trusts, he would show it to. Come and look at my treasure. Look at this beautiful treasure. You don't, kings don't show treasures to enemy leaders. Right? People in the Old Testament have gotten in trouble for that. There are certain glories that are seen on the outside, like the gemstones of the walls of Jerusalem. Those can be seen from quite a distance, yeah? But there are inward treasures, sacred secrets and mystic mysteries for those who would be a friend of God, who'd walk in obedience to God, walk in His ways, and be, become a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. Moses was a friend of God. You and I can be a better friend of God as we choose His ways over our own ways. Those things that come naturally to us are our own ways. Why do they come naturally? Because it's the fallen human nature to be acting in that way. So in the beginning, when you start your journey, your main job is to get into the Word of God and to go against the grain of your own natural impulses, your instinct, what you feel, those impressions of your own flesh. You go against what's natural to you, which is like fighting animal instinct. And we know how strong animal instinct can be. Just go on safari sometime, maybe in your local community. You could just drive through and see the animal reaction to the glory if you're walking in glory. Or in the wild, how animals react when they're afraid, when they're in fear, or when they're in aggression. And all these different strong emotions that come up. At first, we go against what comes naturally to us. As we resist the sinful nature, and we become faithful to God in His ways, even though it doesn't come naturally. He's forming His new nature within us through that circumcision, and eventually it does become your nature to be righteous. And then you get into godliness and holiness, and then it becomes your nature to have thoughts that are holy, to have words and speech and actions that are holy. It becomes your new nature. And so there's the awe of God, the serious things of heaven, the wonderful things of heaven, and the fear of the Lord in the camps of Shekinah, and the holy creatures and living beings around the throne who sing holy, and it's a wonder and a display that if you saw it standing in the flesh that you have now, you might not be standing for long. It might be horror, it might be the terror of the Lord might come upon you. It might be the presence of a God so holy you can't help but fall on your face. And then the other part of heaven is the fun and the childlike wonder and freedom. And the Lord wants you to understand, and this is something he's speaking on today, that heaven is both. It's the, the fear of the Lord and the, it's that, that grand throne room glory and it's holy and it's awesome and he's terrible and wonder and all powerful and mighty and just holy, holy, holy may be the only thing that comes out of your mouth when you see such a display of wonder, his might, his grandness, his 
awesomeness is just unbelievable, beyond comprehension. And then there's the fun and the freedom. Jesus Christ, even the Father, has a childlike attitude, just so gentle, so holy, and so fun, that he loves to create, and he loves art, and he loves, you know, the different creatures that he's created, and his tender love for his creation. So a lot of people want to connect with that aspect of God. But here's the truth of the matter. Unless you can embrace the severities of God and the, the severe things of God, the holiness of God, you can never walk and know Him in that, that sweet and gentle and childlike nature that He has. Because it's only for those who are holy and being made holy. It doesn't mean He's not going to meet you where you're at in your infancy, but know that as you grow through your infancy, He will test you with those severities. And what's the severity for? It's to deal with the sin nature. Yes, He wants to have you as His child, and He loves, you know, the cuddles and the scenery, all the beautiful and tender things, you know, the bunnies in heaven. People talk about the little bunnies and things like that. You might see them somewhere in heaven, the cool architecture in heaven, I mean the best food, you can't even imagine how good it tastes until you've tasted how good the food is in heaven. Those are all a part of heaven. You know, Christmas land is a real place, the little trees with the stars and flowers that sing. Everyone wants to enjoy that. But oftentimes we find that not a lot of people want to embrace his holiness, his grandness, that fear of the Lord. But that's the beginning of wisdom. And if you could embrace him in his lion nature and in his lamb nature, then you will be accepting of all of who he is. And he'll be willing to share those realms with you. Bob Jones was speaking um, in a video I was watching recently, and God's been just resonating this through my mind all day today about the mind catching up with the heart. So we know from Romans 12 too, you're transfigured by the renewing of your mind. What that actually is, is through spiritual digestion, which is comprehension of the word, your mind begins to follow Jesus Christ in your heart. This is how heaven gets through your earthen bodies. So if you are not seeing the evidence of heaven come to earth, as it's written in Matthew 6, on earth as it is in heaven, that means your mind is following a different God. And this will be some form of selfishness, idolatry, immorality. And since you're yoked to another, you don't have the fruit of the Holy One. So fruitfulness comes from being attached to the vine. Being attached to the vine means that your mind is following Jesus within your spirit. Okay, so the daily bread comes into your spirit. Why? So that the mind can be renewed to the fresh bread from heaven. This is how the glory increases in your life. This is how your natural realm gets cleaned up, cleared up, and blessed. You're only blessed when you are connected to the Holy One. The disconnect is the mind and the heart. So you have all this stuff right in here. A lot of times we say that the furthest distance from God is simply the measurement between your brain and your heart. So we need that connection. That connection is the yieldedness that we need every single day. That connection is our daily commitment. Pick up your cross and follow me when it's convenient for you. <laughs> Daily, Jesus Christ said, unless you pick up your cross and follow me, he used the word daily, you can by no means be my disciple. So we don't need lukewarm Christians. We need disciple Christians. Disciples are about the rarest Christians in the universe right now. What a disciple is, is someone who brings their brain to connect to the daily bread comprehended in their heart and is now following him in fresh glory they get the fresh oil and the fresh oil is the realm the bible says 
where Jesus Christ walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. So he's walking in the midst of those who comprehend his daily word, who daily connect their brain to the Shekinah of his word within their hearts. So this is why it's written in Numbers 31, uh, Numbers 23, verse 21, Yahweh shouts in the midst of them. Yahweh is their God. Yarevave is their God. And the king shouts in the midst of them. Now that's Balaam speaking in Numbers uh, 23, verse 21. And he was describing why no sorcery, divination, or augury works against Israel. And what did he say? Why none of the sorceries of Babylon the Great can kindle in a true disciple's life is because yad he vav the name of Revelation 4.1 of the Father, is inscribed in their forehead, which means attached to their name. And therefore, Jesus, who walks amongst those seven golden lampstands, the King shouts in the midst of them. It's one of the greatest revelations. I mean, I've just been so blown away by that, that Numbers 23 revelation. The King is shouting in the midst of us. He's shouting amongst those seven golden lampstands. These are shouts of joy. Psalms 118, shouts of joy in the tents of the righteous. God has given us the victory over all the sorceries of Satan and his angels and their sons and daughters in that wicked clippeth Kabbalah of Balaam. And now is our time of triumph as Zion will rule over Mount Esau forever. So all of this transformation and the renewing of your mind going from a land mind, which is easily offended by everything, always at strife towards everything, always in competition, that's a land mind where you're triggered very easily to a gold mine. A gold mine is attached to that gold crown in Revelation 14, 14 that Messiah is wearing. And that gold crown is attached to that sickle which is the great harvest of the end times, which means in order to produce harvests, even what we're going after in RLM TV, those 60 million faithful, it will require all of us here today listening to me to have a gold mine, the gold crown of the Messiah. Notice that he's sitting upon a glory cloud. What does it mean to be seated on the cloud? We call that the throne Some might say, well, that's the the cloud of glory that's different than the throne. No, he's the king of glory, and that cloud of glory is the throne of glory. Understand that it's a living throne. It's not just like if you understand gold in the realm of the natural that is like an inanimate object. This is a moving mobile throne. So it is absolutely golden because it's made out of the Shekinah, of the angel of Yarevav, it's made out of the person of God, the Holy Spirit. God is the cloud rider. What does it mean to be a cloud rider? He's the Holy Spirit rider. To surf these glory waves is to surf the Holy Spirit. And we are in the Holy Spirit when we're moved by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. But it's not enough to just have it in your heart. It's not. You'll be a mess on the outside. But if you are moved in your mind, that's where all the good stuff of God begins to flow and manifest. And this really is the next step for all of you, to take your mind into your heart and begin experiencing the Word in His glory. Now this process requires a mediator. Listen to this verse, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is only one God and only one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. We're going to talk about mediation. Hebrews 8.6 But as it is, Christ has acquired a priestly ministry, which is more excellent than the old Levitical priestly ministry, for he is the mediator, arbiter, of a better covenant, uniting God and man, which has been enacted and rests on better promises. A couple more, listen. Hebrews 9.15 and the Amplified. For this reason, he is the mediator and negotiator of a new covenant 
that is an entirely new agreement uniting God and man, so that those who have been called by God may receive the fulfillment of the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has taken place as the payment which redeems them from the sins committed under the obsolete first covenant. And last verse, Hebrews 12, 22. No, that's not your experience at all. You've come to Mount Zion, the city where the living God resides, the invisible Jerusalem. I want you to type that in the comments. The invisible Jerusalem is populated by throngs of festive angels. Throngs means beyond counting. Festive, celebrational, innocent angels and Christian citizens. It is the city where God is judge. This is in the message. With judgments that make us just. You've come to Jesus, who presents us with a new covenant, a fresh charter from God. He is the mediator of this covenant. The murder of Jesus, unlike Abel's, a homicide that cried out for vengeance, became a proclamation of grace. Now let's talk about this proclamation of grace for a moment. The, medi the mediator is the same action as walking amongst the seven golden lampstands and holding the seven stars. What does it mean to mediate between man and God? That is the authoring and the finishing of your connection to all the glory of the Father, the Father of glory, the Father of lights. So this mediation is through connection to light. What are lampstands? Sources of light. What are stars? Sources of light. So don't just think Greek, logical. Think the purpose and the function of stars and lamps and why Jesus is holding them and why Jesus is walking in their midst, the king in the midst of us. The king in the midst of us, Numbers 23, 21. Why is he doing these works? To increase our connection to the Father. That's the mediation of the new covenant. To intensify the light of the lampstand in your hearts and through your minds. And to intensify the angels of the city of invisible Jerusalem through your hearts and through your minds. And that is the function of the mediator of the new covenant until you have the fullness of the Father's light beaming through your souls in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And that first touch point of the lampstand below, as it connects to the lampstand above, is that point of Keter. And that central pillar at the top of Keter is also the Spirit of the Lord. That's the Spirit of YHVH, and that's our first taste. When we step into that cutter, and what is supernal cutter? That is the world of Adam Katmon. So that's the realm of the white rose, the realm of the white rose. And in that realm is our first taste of the marriage of the realms. That's why it's beyond the firmaments. If your concept is mainly the seventh heaven being Araboth, which in a sense it is, since there are four levels of Yetzirah. So you have the seven and the seven. But the Araboth, known to us as Absolute, the world of Absolute, why is that the last one where is the pavement? Why is it the seventh Rakia? It's the seventh heaven in the terms of Rakia. What is Rakia? It's the expanse of the firmament. There are seven of those firmaments. That what is that? Uh, those verses where he says, "Can you stretch out, you know, the firmament like a brass mirror, like the skies, to reflect the heat of the glory of God?" Yeah. And you know, the answer is yes. If you walk on this journey, you can absolutely do that on the inside, and then to come through on the outside. So the seventh rakia, or the uh, the firmament, and when you're talking about the shemaim the seven heavens, what's the, the ish and the mayim, the fire and the water, heavens of fire and water, the marriage of those substances of fire and water is a similar miracle to the parting of the Red Sea where water and rock became 
opposite substances as one. That's the picture of marriage. She puts opposite substances as one. This, they have similarities, but they have opposite natures. So how can there be marriage of flesh and uncreated light? It's a miracle, right? It's like the parting of the Red Sea. It's like the spreading out of the firmament and the rakia and the skies. It's like the fiery heavens and the watery heavens being as one. So in the seventh rakia of Araboth, we know is the world of absolute seventh heaven. When you go beyond, and that's into Adam Kadmon, which is supernal cutter, you're going beyond the pavement of the sapphire stone. From there, it is all that light without that kind of solid structure of the sapphire stone body, like we talked about, the sapphire stone body of Jesus Christ represents his sapphire invisible flesh. Now who it's visible to, it depends on if you're standing there. Hmm. People, Everyone I've known that's gone up has been able to see it. But when you're on Malkut, you can't see it. Why? Because you're not there. Can you see Alaska from your house? Can you see uh, certain places? Can you see the Saudi Arabian desert from your house? If the answer is no, it's probably because you don't live there, or you're not nearby there to look outside and see it there. So when you are there, it's very easy to see it because you're there. And if you're there, you're being formed into a creature, or you're already a creature, that can see in those realms. Well, when someone has a baby in their womb, what kind of creature needs to come out of the womb to be able to see and hear and walk around in this type of an environment, the natural dimension? The ears must be formed, and the eyes must be formed. If the child comes out without having sight, it's we call it a birth defect. If there's no hearing, the baby is called deaf. It's not normal to be deaf, it's not normal to be blind. We call those, you know, there was a genetic mutation, there was a malfunction of some kind in the process, in the genetic process. So when there's blindness and there's deafness, there's an issue with the genetics. Or there could be environmental trauma damage, maybe someone went blind because of a trauma, could have been a genetic mutation. When someone has an accident and they come out, something happened with their ears and they're deaf. So when you're on the sapphire stone pavement and you're walking in those realms, when you go into Tiferet of Asaya, you are in a sense in that cocoon, and the cocoon is similar to a womb. By the time you get into Tiferet, that's the marriage of Tiferet and Shekinah, standing on the sun, clothed in the moon, or standing on the moon, clothed in the sun, and when you're in that cocoon, in that marriage of sun and moon, a change takes place. Now, if we are to leave that early, that's being born prematurely, with premature births, there can be all kinds of birth defects. There would be deficiencies. There would be something not formed where you can't see properly and you can't hear properly. It's normal for a baby in the womb to not be able to see anything other than the womb. Now it can hear what's going on around outside of the womb. But it's normal for a baby in the womb to not see anything except its mother's womb. Now the gifts of the Spirit allow us to see with the imagination, so cleanse your conscience, cleanse your imagination, otherwise you'll be seeing strange visions, strange things. If you're drinking cups of demon, it says that the wine will cause you to see strange visions. 
So when we're drinking only the cup of the new covenant, the blood of Jesus and no other cup, right? that's the celestial Nazarite vow, no other cup but the cup of Jesus's blood. His flesh and blood only, no other cup. Why? Because it'll give you strange visions. You will see poisonous things. So understand, God is doing a great work in you every step along the way. And he's provided all the information for you from start to finish. And you will see the difference. You will see the transformation in your spirit, first in your spirit, then in your soul. And then it's going to flood through on the outside. And you'll notice you're not the same person anymore. And the people who have gone on this journey, who have gotten to certain heights, they notice people around them, even spouses notice, this person is not the same person anymore. When a spouse notices an increase in your humility, we call that a miracle. <laughs> yep. When a mother has patience that she's never had before in dealing with her young, rambunctious children, we also call that a miracle. The gold is coming through. And at this testimony, too, there have been uh, some mothers that we've seen when we released this word, uh, they would start to clean the house and they would find an angel feather or they'd find gold dust. And so the kids started wanting to clean and help clean the house because they wanted to be the one to find the angel feather. And it did happen. So if you're a kid watching this, remember, wow. obey your parents, help clean up around the house. You might be the one to find the angel feather or get the gold dust. I helped clean one time just scrubbing cabinets. Just a Mr. Clean sponge and eraser scrubbing. There was some black soot on the cupboards because we enjoyed candles so much. And I was helping to clean this. And as I was cleaning the blackness away off of the white cabinets, both of my hands got covered in gold dust. I mean, the most gold dust I'd ever seen in my life. And these were not golden candles we were burning. These were just regular candles nice smelling candles and it was just blackness that had gotten on the cabinets and just gold dust all over and so when you help someone else clean when you're helping others to clean you may find if you're doing this with a pure heart you may find angel feathers you may find gold dust and more importantly than that you may find an overwhelming sense of well-being and love and being cared for and how good it feels to care for others and that's the reward in itself. But it's also fun when the gold dust, when the angel feathers show up, and that can absolutely change your life. And when Isaiah says, we are the signs and wonders, Israel. <laughs> Amen. So to be an Israelite or to be a cosmic Christian with the circumcision of heart is to be a sign and wonder. I want you to understand something here from Ezekiel that's just blowing my mind today, that we understand from Ephesians chapter 6 that there are principalities, powers, thrones, and dominions, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood only, but against those heavenly places and demonic persons. Now, I want you to understand a little bit more about thrones in the heavenlies, because Ezekiel gives us great insight into the thrones. This is Ezekiel 10.1 in the Amplified. Then I looked, and behold, in the expanse and firmament, there was over the heads of the cherubim, there appeared something glorious and brilliant, above them looking like a huge sapphire stone, <laughs> formed to resemble a throne. So, Scripture tells us, thrones are stones. You can type that in the comments, mm -hmm. Ezekiel 10.1. Thrones are stones. So angelic thrones. We see the enemy on angelic thrones. Well, I tell you the truth. God has given angelic thrones to men and angels who have his name in their name, who are transformed and like him. So as it's written, they will sit with me on my throne and they will rule over the nations for a thousand years. Jesus Christ read letters of Revelation. 
So what does it mean to sit on the throne? We've heard a lot about the throne in the modern-day charismatic movement. Well, Ezekiel says it's on the sapphire stones. So to be with him on his throne means to be on the sapphire stones. And it's interesting to me that the throne is exactly described as the way and the path. So this is Exodus 24.10. And they saw a manifestation of the God of Israel. And under his feet there appeared to be a pavement of sapphire, just as clear as the sky itself. So we see the same invisible Jerusalem, the clearness of the sky itself, referencing the sapphire pavement and connecting the sapphire pavement to the throne. Now we know there are elevations of the throne. So the very first time that a person begins to experience the throne of Jesus, they're experiencing the sapphire stones. That's written in Exodus, that's written in Ezekiel. So now we're beginning to understand the elevations of the throne. I, I can see right now Mary of Bethany pouring out her sacred oil on the feet and the head of Jesus and her starting at an elevation on his sapphire stone. Malkut. Yep, she started right in that sapphire <laughs> stone of Malkut. She's at his feet. Uh, the rung of the feet of the body of Christ is the kingdom of the earth, Malkut in Hebrew. So, is the earth sapphire? New earth is. What makes new earth completely sapphire? Our worship, our adoration, our obedience, our sacrifice to Jesus. And it starts right where you're at today. You can turn your environment right now into sapphire through obedience. Why? Because we understand the pavement is sapphire, the throne is sapphire, and it begins on the earth. So it's not this huge disconnect. Like so many people that don't understand the way heaven works, where mm -hmm. heaven's just so far away. No, heaven is God, mm -hmm. and God is in our midst. He walks amongst the seven golden lampstands. He holds the seven stars in his right hand. Heaven is where God is. He's the God of heaven, it is written. Therefore, if you make your heart a worshipful sacrifice to him, he will come in and consume it with his person, and his pavement will consume the areas that you provide mm -hmm. for him to walk in you. Mm -hmm. The Lord's Prayer, he said, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Now, a lot of people have heard that verse quoted, but what a lot of people don't know is when you read the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic, and that's available, the translation, I looked at those translations online, it's the same as in Hebrew, which is Malkut. He said, the Malkut of heaven is within you. And just like Mary of Bethany, uh, Jesus's feet. Now, this is really interesting. Before I knew about these realms, when I began to seek God in my life again, I started out worshiping him at his feet. I'd have a prayer time you know, my prayer closet and shut the door and I would read the word of God and I would worship him and I would bow at his feet and I would just see his feet. I would see his robes and he wouldn't have his sandals on at that time. And I would see his feet and I would kiss his feet and worship at his feet and adore him at his feet. And then, you know, from there you get to know him. But for those who can humble themselves his feet, which represents Malkut. You know, there it says footstool, it is written. So you see all these things, that's where it starts, right? Being broken and contrite heart, contrite spirit before him, pouring out your soul at his feet. You're pouring out your soul at his feet. So it could be tears, it could be your joy, your laughter, your revelation, you're giving it back to him when he gives it to you and then it expands from there and becomes a part of you. I think in that process people don't realize how possessed Mary of Bethany got through that sacrifice, that sacred sacrifice that's written in the gospel that she got filled with the spirit of Jesus Christ because Jesus says, She's chosen the best portion. What is a portion? 
When you think portion, that's a substance, an amount of something that was given to her. What was the substance and the portion that she chose that could not be taken from her? It was the full possession of her body by the Spirit of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Amen. That's what we want. We want to be possessed and controlled by Him. This vision just keeps reverberating in my mind. He is walking on the sapphire pavement right now in the midst of you. The king shouts in the midst of us in the pavement that we've made room for our worship towards him in our own hearts. So there's a super highway inside your heart. Now who's walking on the highways of your heart? I will make straight the way of the Lord, it is written. I will make the path to Zion straight. It has been crooked. Why is it crooked? Because the priests, which are, you know, the, the Levites, Men and women who have a relationship with God have not made clear that elevator from earth to heaven, which means that their faith has not been perfected by the mediator they of the new covenant. stop somewhere. Yeah. Usually that's what happens is people stop at some point. They get comfortable with God at a certain level, and then they stop going glory to glory. They stop at a certain point. When you stop at a certain point, the glory begins to fade. You're saying, you know, this has been a good walk, Lord, but this is my favorite place we've come to. And since I, I know I have what those other people don't have, right? With the people in the levels where you already came out of, maybe you feel like you're at a higher level than them. And so it's tempting to get into that place where you're like, okay, now, you know, you may have only made it towards not even the top of Malkut. You're like, I'm up pretty high because most people, they stay down in the earth. In the earthly mindsets and earthly habits so when you get a little bit of elevation the temptation is from Satan when he comes and says if you just bow down to me which is selfishness right that haughty look that prideful look that can considering yourself better than others you know a lot of times when people I noticed when I got tongues a lot of people who had tongues all they would talk about was how the outer court people didn't have tongues we have the tongues, they don't have the tongues. And in you know, my mind, it felt like it was a little bit of a toxic thing. I knew it was real. I was excited. I was just, you know, here's my exciting you know, new gift from God, and it's amazing. But it was a little bit surprising to see a lot of the different cultures, when you just get into the tongues and the gifts of the Spirit and the healings, how it almost becomes like a cultural habit to say, we have the gifts and the healings and the miracles, and they don't. Oftentimes what that is is just the heart wound speaking because usually what happens is there's a lot of persecution. If you come from a place in Christianity where there aren't any miracles happening, people don't have the gifts of the Spirit, they don't, you know, they don't have the ability to pray in tongues, they're not filled with the Spirit, there's persecution when you want to come into that. So what happens is a lot of times people get uh, hurt. And instead of healing the wounds in the presence of God, they just cling to the gifts and say, this justifies me, and they get bitter. And so you find there's a culture sometimes, Not and this is not everyone, but this is what I noticed just from walking through that. And we've talked to and met many, many people from different circles, and there tends to be a lot of uh, hurtness. And what do we know? Hurt people hurt people unless you get healed. So make it a priority to get your inner healing on this walk and to forgive you gotta forgive the people who persecuted you when you want to go higher and then when you have gone through so much persecution already just to get tongues and then on top of that you want to now you're expected to go so much higher and now you find out after all that you've barely even started it can start to be feel like a lot like i've already been through so much what do you mean more persecution more challenges but it turns around and becomes a fun thing and a glorious thing when we learn to let go and forgive right jesus christ he did the ultimate act of forgiveness these people were literally murdering him in the moment mm -hmm. he said i forgive them Father, forgive them forgive they them what they, do. they don't know just mm. I want you to receive that even if there's people on your life that hurt you, even for you just to even get the gift of tongues, even just to experience one miracle. A lot of times people get their first miracle in their lives. You're so excited to tell everyone and you think 
because you're just like a kid with a balloon, like, check it out, this is the coolest thing ever. And then you go to share it, and then there they are with the needles, with their demons, waiting to pop your balloon, and watch you deflate. And you thought, in your innocence of your excitement of what God did for you, that all your friends and family and loved ones and fellow believers were going to be just as excited as you about your breakthrough, and that's not how it is. And I'm sorry if that happened to you. It's traumatizing. It happens, I think, to every everyone. Everyone. Yeah. And so understand it, it didn't just happen to you. It happened to a lot of people, and it happened to Jesus. When he went to the next level, they didn't even want him in the synagogue anymore. So forgive them, Father. Mm. They know not what they do. They don't even know, like how demon-possessed they probably are, or maybe, you know, how many people have hurt them, and now they're just perpetuating the same hurt toward you. The cycle has to stop with you and with us today. So just write that in the comments. It stops right here with me. It stops here with me. We're not going to perpetuate all the things that people did to hurt us to hurt you, you're not going to hurt other people like that. You're going to be the healing. Not only are you going to get healed, you're going to be a healer. You're going to spread the true love of God, the purity, the righteousness, and have the most fun mm-hmm. than anybody mm-hmm. because that's the way heaven is. And so we have to get out of that old mindset of they hurt me and we have the tongues and they don't or, you know, whatever. Now we have the sephirah and they don't or whatever it is. God loves those people. He doesn't desire that any of them perish. Now, I know some people will. That's their choice. But the thing is, we cannot be bitter. We cannot be in unforgiveness. All it does is it hurts you. It hurts the individual. It hurts yourself. And it hurts the Holy Spirit's feelings when we walk in unforgiveness. So be like Christ and just ask Him to say, you know, ask the Father in Jesus' name. I ask you, Father, for the forgiveness of Jesus, that perfect forgiveness that only He is able to give. Let it flow through me. Let it flow to me and to these other people who have hurt me. I don't want to remember that bitterness or that pain. I want to let it go just like you let go of and put away sins. I want to put away sins like you put away sins. And you'll notice you're not going to feel the same about any of that. It's not even going to hurt anymore. You're not going to have those cycles of bitter thoughts. And you're going to move on to a much greater healing and you're going to be able to help a lot more people. And what that does, again, what we're talking about is that keeps us from becoming stagnant in our growth. That's usually when people, they get into the gifts, they get into more spirituality, but they stop at a certain point. And walking in true forgiveness is going to help you to not stop at that point. So that it's just them versus us or versus you, and you can look at Christ formed in you and forgive and go higher. And the higher you go, the more glory you can release to do the will of God in the earth. And that's the whole point of being here. Yeah, the Lord was saying the same thing to me earlier. He says, tell the people (laughs) they need to forgive themselves. Yeah. There's two areas of real breaker anointing in the forgiveness of self. Jesus Christ (laughs) said, I have given you authority to forgive sins to his disciples. So, just say you forgive yourself out loud and you need to understand this too in the aspect of forgiveness this really is a a powerful revelation Ephesians 6 talks about the thrones that we wrestle in the heavenlies okay these enemy thrones the reason why it's so critical that you defeat these thrones because they skew the vision from understanding God's throne and most people have a misunderstanding of God who God is, what God is, and what His throne is. Those revelations from Exodus and Ezekiel about the sapphire pavement and the sapphire throne of Jesus Christ Mm. can clear up the vision. So there is also a forgiveness of your image of what you've made God and Jesus Christ to be. In a way, you could say you forgive God. God hasn't done anything wrong, but it's the image that you've constructed here in the mind of God that needs to be washed for the invisible Jerusalem, which is that crystal clear living water that sparkles in your mind and turning your mind from you know darkness into glorious light will require 
the total execution of these enemies in heavenly places of principalities, powers, thrones, and dominions. So we're wrestling about uh, against that in heaven and their corresponding temples, which are human vessels, in the earth. So you're going to have to walk in, in great wisdom and great revelation and great company of a great cloud of witnesses in order to be successful against all your millions, millions of enemies. I heard their number, 200 million, Revelation 9, it is written. So getting, getting that throne cleared up in your mind. So when you think Jesus, you think sapphire. And when you think sapphire, you think the living word, prophecy. The spirit of prophecy, the testimony of Jesus. What, what is the testimony? The path, the experience of Christ. It's entirely sapphire. So the way of the Lord is the sapphire pavement. And the sapphire pavement is connection to his throne. As it's written, boldly approach the throne of grace. What does it mean to boldly approach? It's a, let's, let's come at it with a different understanding today, a higher elevation of understanding. When we boldly approach the throne of grace, we're going into the sapphire pavement. We're beginning to walk in prophecy, mm -hmm. the living word. The glory yeah. is sapphire pavement. Going from glory to glory is walking on sapphire <laughs> pavement. And the sapphire pavement is our soul's connection to Shekinah. Shekinah itself is God. God is Shekinah. When we speak of Shekinah, we're not speaking of just an aspect of God, but of God himself. The angel of Yarevave, the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit, the angel of Shekinah. God is light. That word light is Shekinah. So God is the Shekinah. Mm -hmm. And the Shekinah is the path, the sapphire pavement. Mm -hmm. And the Shekinah is the sapphire throne. So when we begin to connect with the throne, those other thrones that skew our vision of who and what God is and where God is, go away. The very walk of God on sapphire pavement is the connection to Shekinah and the true throne of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. It's always different than your mind's imaginations. We have to throw down imaginations, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Those vain imaginations are your ideas about how God is and how God works. That's all idolatry. That's the highest form of idolatry is our imagination mm -hmm. of the things of God. We go from imagination mm -hmm. and we cleanse our imagination and we go into sapphire mm -hmm. pavement. And that's corresponding to repentance of worlds because the height of the original idols were said to be a thousand parasangs high, which in the Sephardic counting and measurements, that's that 1,000 of each world, right? So each world high you deal with the idolatry of the self nature of things. And I thought it was so cool you were saying the sapphire pavement and the sapphire throne Look at that, that's Shekinah below and Shekinah above. Mm -hmm. When you first take that first step of standing on the moon, that's Shekinah. When you're earthen vessel, you're there standing on the moon in the Sephirotic realm. That's the sapphire pavement. And then when you get to the throne, the sapphire throne is in the world of Berea, which is represented in Bina, which is Shekinah above. So that's Shekinah below and Shekinah above, which is a really cool map in the spirit mm -hmm. to walking into the Father's throne. And uh, this is really a wonderful scripture here in Daniel 4, verse 27. Therefore, therefore, O King, let my counsel be acceptable to you. Break off your sins and show the reality of your repentance by righteousness. Show the reality of your repentance by righteousness. Right standing with God and moral and spiritual rectitude and rightness in every area and relation. And liberate yourself from iniquities by showing mercy and loving kindness to the poor and oppressed. That if the king will repent, there may be possibly a continuance and lengthening of your peace and tranquility and a healing of your error. So if you know you're meant to walk in kingship, you know, ladies, queenship, and there's been error or there's some need of an area of your life of rectification, which I'm sure there is for everyone, we can show the reality of repentance by walking in righteousness. And look at this. And all this was fulfilled and came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. If that could happen for him, it can certainly happen for you in a greater covenant, right? Come on, that encouraged somebody. The guy was outside eating grass like a donkey for a long time. <laughs> There's hope for you. There's hope for me. There's hope for us 
if somebody like that can walk in that in the old covenant and be restored in that way certainly there's hope for you knowing jesus christ on the inside of you come on mm. all this was that'll boost somebody's faith i know it boosted my faith too all of this was fulfilled and came upon king nebuchadnezzar and listen to this here this is an important word for us now at the end of 12 months he was walking in the royal palace of babylon we are in january right now you start today Start this walk today. Mm. Show the reality of your repentance by righteousness. Right standing with God and moral and spiritual rectitude and rightness in every area and relation. At the end of 12 months, he was walking in the royal palace of Babylon. Where are you going to be in 12 months from now? Walking in the interior castles, walking in the palaces, and I believe that there will be someone experiencing this on the outside, walking in a greater royal glory and splendor, and even in the external realms. It's got to start coming through to the righteous. As righteousness is established, that it is written in the book of Enoch, Woe to the wicked rich. Why? Because their riches made them have the appearance of righteousness when they didn't have any actual reality of repentance by righteousness. So those who have repentance of righteousness, these next 12 months, as you continue, don't grow weary in well-doing, continue in righteousness, and may we start to see the first fruits in the next 12 months of walking in the palace of Babylon because the wicked rich build so that the righteous ones can inherit it. Amen. We'll end with this. A clear heart is a circumcised heart. <laughs> is it circumcised clear from just being emptied of the world? No. It is clear because it is completely filled and possessed with the invisible Jerusalem. So the progressive circumcisions is the progressive possession of invisible Jerusalem in your heart. So it's not just about being clear, it's about being in Jerusalem, your citizenship in that kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I want to share this verse. Check this out. Job 28 verse 1. Earth's surface is a field for grain, but its depths are a forge firing sapphires <laughs> from stones and chiseling gold from rocks. In Jesus' name, be blessed in that sapphire forge. We'll see you tomorrow. Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, beloved brothers and sisters in Christ, I stand before you today with a heart full of gratitude and excitement for the incredible work that God is doing in our midst. As we gather together in the spirit of worship and fellowship, I am reminded of the profound words found in the Holy Bible, specifically in the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. These verses emphasize the importance of honoring God with our resources, and it is this biblical principle that has guided us in the vision and mission of our ministry. Today I want to share with you a divine opportunity that calls for our collective support, the establishment of RLM TV right here in the heart of Florida. In Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus commissions us saying, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. This divine mandate is not confined to the four walls of our ministry but extends to the vast reaches of media and technology. RLM TV is more than just a vision. It is a God-given opportunity to fulfill the Great Commission in an era where the power of media can transcend boundaries and reach souls in ways we could have never imagined. Brothers and sisters, the urgency of this mission is echoed in Romans 10, 14, and 15. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? 
And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As we embark on this journey to establish RLM TV, we are not just building a broadcasting station. We are constructing a platform to amplify the gospel, to reach the lost, to disciple nations through the powerful medium of television. Yet, my dear family, such a mission requires resources, financial resources that will enable us to purchase the necessary equipment, secure broadcasting licenses, and ensure the production of quality content that reflects the love and teachings of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I am reminded of the widow in Mark 12:41 through 44 who with a sacrificial heart gave all that she had. In 2 Corinthians 9:7, the Apostle Paul encourages us, saying, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Let us prayerfully consider how we can play a part in this historic endeavor. Let our hearts be moved by the urgency of the mission, and let our generosity reflect the cheerful giving that God delights in. Together, as one body of Christ, we can make RLM TV a reality, a beacon of hope and truth that will shine brightly in the state of Florida and beyond. May God bless you abundantly as you prayerfully consider your contribution, and may the joy of giving be a testament to the love and grace that flows from our generous Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.